Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 273. Albert farming again? <laughs> farming again. There's so many farming games that, that uh, we could just keep harvesting this uh, genre of games. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hello, Julius. Hello, Hello Albert. Yes. How are you doing today? Doing all right. We're talking about farming today. <laughs> as long as we're not talking about singing, I suppose it's okay. No. <laughs> You've got a great voice for singing. Oh, yes. I hear that my <laughs> voice is a little bit lower than usual today. I've lost my voice today from doing a bunch of singing for the most recent Jewish holiday we did, some Torah. Um, but I'm sure it'll be back <laughs> any any day now. It'll be back, yeah. So fortunately, I'm going to talk about a game I don't think you have played yet, so you can do more listening and, haven't, and enjoy that. I haven't even played it, but I know something about it at least. I think it's available okay. in some online places too, so I've poked at it. Yeah, it might be. Okay. So today's game, we haven't mentioned the name. It's Fields of Arl. It is a worker placement game by Uwe Rosenberg. Right? And this is this is a big game. It's I think it's sort of like Feast for Odin. It's it's definitely related to Feast for Odin, but it's not quite as big as that, physically at least. Um, I think it's bigger than Feast for Odin, personally. Well, not, I mean, not physically. Is, it's, in terms yeah, it's, of things it's much you can thinner. do. Maybe. I, I, I've played Feast for Odin. I don't know. They're, they're, both, they're both big. They've both got so many choices. You don't know what to do, I think. Yes. That's been my experience. <laughs> so so let me tell you about this game a little bit. This is a worker, well, it's a worker placement game, I already said, right? This game is, well, let me start before that. Arl, in case you wonder what the field of Arl is about. Arl, I'm not sure how to pronounce it exactly. It's a it's a district in the German state of Lower Saxony. Lower Saxony in German is called Niedersachen or Niedersachen. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Um, Arl is a district, which is kind of like in the U.S. equivalent of a county. This is the county, apparently, where Uwe Rosenberg's family comes from for, for many generations. Um, it's a rural area. There's a lot of farming and things like that. And so this game is sort of, in a way, autobiographical, looking back at his history and the area and what life might have been like for his great-grandparents and stuff, which I think is a really neat idea, honestly. And I like that about the game a lot. I think that makes me enjoy the game even more. Um, in this game, I guess you're playing a family and you're... You start with a small farm, and over the years it grows as you expand it by adding more tiles to your estates, basically. Um, that's sort of what I think is going on. It's, it is kind of abstract. It's a, it's a worker placement game. It's a euro. The, there's different things you could do. You could farm land. You could raise livestock. You could do some trades and stuff. All these things are going to get you points. There's lots of different ways to get points. As a matter of fact... I said it's a worker placement game. This has like something like 15 actions that you could pick from each round. And it's a, you know, if you're playing solo, you've got four workers. So that's, you know, you do about a fourth of the different actions you could pick from each round. So there's just a lot of choice. It's not one of these tight, tight games where like you're, the thing you really needed to do is gone and you're kind of out of luck. There's one where there's so many options that if something's missing, you can move on to something else and it's not that big a deal. At least I don't think it is. Maybe for, for really good playing it is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really good at it yet. Um, what's interesting is it's a, it, it works over two seasons. There's a summer season and a, and a winter season. So 
the action board has two sides, the summer and the winter. And the actions that are available are going to be different and thematic. In the summer, you could harvest and sow your fields and that sort of thing. In the winter, you're going to be doing more inside stuff. Um, I don't remember exactly what those actions are right now, but drinking they would cocoa. be things making drinking cocoa, making cocoa, um, <laughs> working with the animals in the barn. It's it, they're different. The point being that the actions are different and they feel different and they feel relatively seasonal, which I think is a really neat concept, a really neat way to do the game. It's played over a period of five nine and a half years, years? Nine, nine, nine seasons. Half years. Yes, nine and a half years. Um, so you're going to do five summer and four winter. Obviously alternating back and forth between them. Let me tell you about the components in the game then. You ready for that? Go ahead. There, there's, a, there's a lot in the box. It is a big box. Again, not as big as Big Odin. Not as big as... It's not as big as Feast for Odin, but it's big enough. I was having trouble saying Feast for Odin. Um, So you get you get a really big game board that has all the actions... And a bunch of space for all the tiles. It's a pretty tall board. Uh, there's two sets of player boards. One, per, It's a game for one or two players. So each player will have two different boards for their personal use. One is a, has travel and a barn. And the travel portion is sort of a map. And there's different tiles that you're going to be able to, to get throughout the game. So you're just going to place them there on the map for to have them somewhere to be and to kind of look nice, I guess. And the, the second half of the board is your... Your barn, where you keep the different vehicles you could acquire throughout the game. There's a limited number of spaces in the barns. You can have a diff- limited number of vehicles of two different sizes. The second board you have is your home board, which has a lot of spaces, a lot of squares. And not really squares. They're, I mean, they're rectangles, but they're square enough. And these are the different tiles that you would uh, be dealing with on your on your land. There's uh, some more tiles, for example. You need to drain the moors. Right, more is it, my understanding they're like swamps. I don't really know. Once you've drained them, you now have peat all over the place, and you could harvest that peat. So those are some of the tiles you can interact with. Besides that, you have fields that you could place, or you could start with. You have stables and whatnot, and you have there's buildings you could you could acquire and put on there. Besides that, there's all those different tiles that go on the board that I already mentioned: the fields, the stables, the the peat stuff, the the buildings. That, and that kind of, there might be a couple more, but that that's the idea. There's tiles for all the different things you could, uh, well, not all the things. Some of the things are tiles and some of them are counters or different wooden bits and stuff. But there's tiles for some of the things you could get, like leather, uh, wool, and maybe cotton. And if you flip them over, they're the things you make from them, which are clothing. There's, there's cubes to represent the peat. There's little wooden animal meeples for the sheep, the cows, and the horses. The cows, you could put stickers on them, so they're spotted cows. Stickers don't work that well. They fall off once in a while. Maybe one day I'll just paint them. Or <laughs> There's get wooden the meeple tokens. source ones. Uh, that's not a bad idea. I like those. Do I <laughs> have really any now? Nice. I've, I've got chickens from meeple source. Well, they have a set that's <laughs> specifically available for these if you know, you're interested in that sort of thing. Oh, uh, I might be kind of interested for that. So... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I do like I do like replacing the bits and stuff. There, there's there's a lot of stuff. I didn't mention everything. I think I've mentioned most of it. Oh, I did mention the vehicles, and they're kind of important. You're gonna you're gonna acquire the vehicles throughout the game, and they're sort of gonna let you, in a way, take free action. So it's a nice thing about them. You kind of need vehicles to do well. Um, otherwise, you won't do as well. 
So lots of stuff, lots of wooden bits, lots of card, not too many wooden bits, lots of cardboard bits, boards, no cards, no cards at all. So I already mentioned, just, just to give you a kind of a frame reference, you're going to take, it's nine rounds and you have four workers. You're going to take 36 actions, right? There are 30 different actions you could choose from in the board total. So if you tried, you could, in theory, do every single action once and that would just, a, you'd have a few more actions left. But chances are there's some actions you can do over and over. So there's a lot of different choices. Not everything gets done. And I think, honestly, it makes more sense to to choose a path in this game and specialize in that path. So you end up not doing a lot of the actions in a given game. And I already mentioned the vehicles are kind of important because they kind of give you the extra stuff. They also let you take stuff to cities to trade. That's where those city counters come in play. You'll basically put the city on your wagon to show that you visited that city. And that'll, that's one way to get food for trading some of your stuff for food. Food's important in this game. Um, I mentioned the buildings already a little bit. There's different buildings you could acquire in the game by spending some resources. The buildings will go on your board. They're going to be worth victory points. They're also going to... A lot of them will give you some ability that you... Some you may be able to use any time. Some when you acquire. It depends. But again, there's something that kind of gives you a little bit of an edge. So they're definitely handy to have. It's just it's impossible to build enough. Nine rounds is not enough in this game, by the way. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's um, generally, in my opinion, a good thing. Yeah, it, it works well. And if it was longer enough so you could do a lot of stuff, the game probably wouldn't be as fun. Absolutely. Correct. But you it still gets, always feel like you want to do more. It's like, oh, I've only had one more round. It and gets actually, stale if you get mm-hmm. to do everything you want to. It generally, I feel like these yeah. kind of games get stale. You're not pushed to use your time wisely if you have leisure like leisure comes from games like you know i'm talking about video games stardew valley but i've or sandbox games mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. the space one name is not coming to mind but those are the ones that you have to feel like you have leisure this these type of games feel like they have to have something pushing you yeah but you know i i don't disagree with that if i did have more trains to get more stuff done then my final score would need to be higher anyway. So it would still end up being the same crunch, just in a longer time frame. So it doesn't it doesn't buy you anything by getting the mo- those extra terms. But I still always feel like I just needed a couple more. Mm-hmm. And I, I am pretty sure I played one or two games where I accidentally took too many turns, and my scores were great. But I liked it. <laughs> um, So let me tell you about the way the game works. I shake my head at you. <laughs> well, you know, that's true. The... The turn is pretty simple. So there's three parts to the round, um, whether it be the the first half or the second half of the year. The first part is pre- pre- preparations. You're going to decide where your workers go. So you're going to put the workers on the board in the in their four spaces. And just to, to give you a little context of the timeline, when you start the round, the workers are on the four spaces on their season, and the spaces are, are labeled for the months. So July, August, September, October, those are the, like the summer months. June is a preparation month, which is where you're placing the workers. Each of the workers then has a month for it. And then after that's going to come an inventory phase, which is the sixth month of the season. So it kind of gives it a, a slightly, it gives it a feel of going through each month of the year. And I, and I like that again, because it really does make it feel, it really, it really adds to the theme a lot. So anyway, you're going to get your workers. The first preparation phase, you're going to place them out where they're going to take their actions. You're going to pick again. If it's the summer months, you're going to pick the stuff from the left side of the board, the summer. And if it's winter, you're going to pick stuff from the right side. 
And then the second phase is the worker phase. You're going to take action with each of those workers. This is definitely the biggest part of the game. There's a lot of different actions to choose from. They're all going to do different things. But, you know, generally, as is typical for this time of game, the actions are going to be to place tiles or to gain resources or or also to improve your skills in this game. There's different things you could advance in your skill. I don't want to go through all 30 actions, and I don't think anybody wants to hear me go through all 30 actions. Agreed. <laughs> if you do, that's another two episodes, honestly. We are supposed to be summarizing the, the gameplay and our thoughts on it, Albert. I don't need you to read me the rules. Um, yeah, <laughs> I could do that, you know, lull you to sleep. And the, the final part is the inventory phase. There's a few things that happen in this phase. Um, if you have animals, they they might propagate and, and have babies if they're in their pairs. Um, you might be able to gain wool from the animals, depending on the season, that sort of thing, or food from I'm them. I'm relatively certain that the term for new babies being born is not propagating the animals, but that's okay. <laughs> Harvesting? No. <laughs> so, but you, you're going to gain some resources and things at the seasons. If you have fields, you're going to get to gain resources from those fields. The other thing that has to happen at the end of the season is you're setting aside food for the next season, honestly, but you're spending food. So I think it's three food each season, each half year that you have to spend. Plus in the summer, you got to spend two of your peak cubes. Hopefully you still have some to, to warm your house for the upcoming half year. In the winter, it's going to be similar. That's the, in the winter, right? Really it's technically at the, at the end of winter. So like late spring or something, I guess that's when the babies have their animals. You put the extra animals on your board um, and you'll feed your people and that sort of stuff. Once that is done, you have finished your season. You're going to move the, the, the season marker to the next space. Now you're on space two of eight. You're going to place your workers and do the same thing, choosing winter actions. Keep going back and forth for a total of nine, nine half years. Um, simple enough. Once you're done, you're going to tally up your score. There's a lot of ways to get points in this game. You're going to get points for different resources you have built. Not every resource is worth points, but many are. The I mentioned the the tiles for the the fabrics and materials, the leather, wool, and cotton. Those are double-sided. If you flip them over, those are coats that have been built, made from the material or clothing. The If you have it on the front side, they're like, I don't know, one point each. If you have them in the back, there are more points. And I think the number of points depends on which type of good it is because some are a little more valuable than others. The Some of the other things you could get, like wood and 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 clay, can be worth points, especially if you have them flipped over to their backside. There's a lot of things that could flip over. You get points for your animals. You get points for your buildings and stuff on your board. You could also lose points if you haven't cleared those moors that I mentioned before, and there's still moors. Those are negative points, so you kind of want to do that. There's dikes that you could build to advance and grow the size of your farm by, by building up dikes and, and basically making your land go out farther and closer to the ocean, I guess. And you'll lose points if you haven't done the, that all the way out by the end of the game. So lots of stuff to get you and some stuff to lose points. You're going to tally everything up and see how you did at the end of the game. And uh, being an Uwe Rosenberg game it's a beat your own score kind of game or you know the way i played i'm not even worried about beating my score i'm just trying to see how close i came to what they said is a good score but never actually getting there 
That, that's basically the game. I think there's more things I could say about it, but that's that's sort of the flow of it and all that. Do you have any questions about that? No. Any of that stuff? Okay, nothing at all, huh? I mean, it's complicated and huge, and there's a ton of actions. I think that's a pretty good summary of your yeah. comments so <laughs> far. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a list of things I like and dislike just briefly here. The I really like the seasonal flow of the game. I think that really is interesting and really fun and really adds to theme. And I like that. I like that the actions you have in the summer months are different than the actions in the winter months. That they feel thematic. That that is a big attraction for me. The variety of options in the game, the number of different choices you can make each turn are interesting. Plus, it's if you if you enjoy analysis paralysis, which is I think more popular for solo games, not as appreciated in multiplayer games. This is a game where you could definitely spend a lot of time thinking about all your actions and how many points each can get you or what goals it could advance you towards, and spend a lot of time thinking about that. So there's definitely a lot, a lot of opportunity for thinking and so many different ways to do to play the game. I think you could focus on on getting more wolves, for example. You could focus on trying to get buildings because buildings tend to be worth a good number of points you could focus on getting clay and other resources that get you other points or, or raising your resources which i didn't really mention but there's like food wheat and a couple there's like five different resources um i remember where they are that they have a little track on the side if you get those all the way to the top they're all also worth points you could get points for your animals so you could choose which path you want to do because you aren't going to do all of them i already kind of pointed that out it's it's kind of a slow-paced game. It doesn't feel fast or aggressive, and I kind of like that. It feels cozy, is what I found. It, it it feels relaxed, which is neat, and I think part of that might be the theme. I, like, for example, Warp's Edge, I would never say feel co- feels cozy, but you would hmm. be able to play it at the same pace, and I think that's just a theme. And I, I really like the idea of building those dikes and draining out the moors and stuff. Because it's because I didn't really realize how those things work in real life, and now I've learned something about them. It's like, oh, that just is seen in such the... an Albert thing to appreciate the game. <laughs> yeah, I really it, enjoyed oh, this sure. game because it gave me more appreciation for how this stuff works in real life. Absolutely, <laughs> like I had no idea how building a dike worked. <laughs> so, so those are things I've enjoyed, and, and I think they, they make the game really neat and really make it shine. Here's a few things I dislike tracking my turns the way they have set it up i think falls short because all it is it's a little wooden counter moving from one space to the next going zigzagging down the board it is really easy to either knock it or forget to move it and and then accidentally end up taking extra rounds like i did one time i i I think i forgot to move it and therefore played the same season again and then summer and that you know, an extra round with extra four actions is just great in the game. Or where I might have possibly taken a whole extra year not realizing I hadn't moved it right or thought I had moved it, something like that. So I didn't like that. And I've noticed, you know, Uwe, a lot, Mr. Rosenberg, a lot of times for these games, he will do things that are very clever to track your turns. Like in um, Feast for Odin, right? Every round, you, I think you, you have one more worker automatically, if I remember correctly. Getting that extra worker is something you're going to appreciate and will and has an impact in the game. So you're not going to forget that. You're going to be able to track which round because you know how many workers you have because you want to have that extra worker each round. So it's something that that changes the game and also tracks the turn. This just moving the little marker, it, it's easy enough to forget. 
at the gates of Luoyang, each round, you, you get to gain resources from that first card. So again, that's something that you're going to remember to do to gain all your resources. And since you're going to do the first card, by, by the act of taking resources, tracking your round. So I found in this game, it did not work as well. Um, I just wish there was an extra way to... Some, something that made it more meaningful, that made it easier not to forget. Because it, it, I did find it easy to forget. I played... I'm pretty sure more than once I, I kind of lost track of my turn. I think sometimes I got it right and sometimes I got it wrong. The Another thing I don't like is the setup is a little bit fiddly. Just because there's a lot of things. Because there's so many spaces and so many different buildings you set up on the board and whatnot. And... And not a huge deal, but the fact that you're not going to use most of the game each round <laughs> makes it... I'm setting up buildings I'm probably not going to use, just just because I won't be able to get to everything. So it kind of feels silly to set them all up up front. Maybe I should just... The buildings, are, some are random and some are fixed every game. Maybe I should just set up the random ones and leave the rest unless I bought, happen to buy them. No, but I can't do that because I need to see them so I can see what they are. So yeah, so it set up a little bit fiddly. It's still pretty quick though. I, I didn't feel like it's, it's a really slow, cumbersome setup at all. It goes really quick. Again, it feels a little bit unnecessary and fiddly. Okay, and then the last one is I already said there's a lot of variety of options and I like that, that you could choose different things. You could spend time thinking about it. And yet, even then, there's tons of ways to get points. They kind of all feel the same. They're all, you know, they're all basically managing a resource, moving a resource this way or that way, or maybe getting a towel, removing a towel. The different types of tiles don't necessarily have a huge difference in what they do. Like, for example, say Kanban, where there's five different actions to choose from each round. Each of the actions are very, very, very different in the way they work. And I guess going from a game like that to a game like this, it's like where there's little action, it felt a little bland that way. That being said, I am more likely to play this in Kanban because it's less overwhelming in, um, in how to play it. So yeah, that, those are my thoughts about the game. I got more notes. I, got, I talked about the things that you could score points. I kind of already went over those. Let me see. I didn't mention you could get points for your vehicles in the barn. You get points for the tools. The tool track is kind of neat. There, there is a track on the board, and one of the actions you could do is train your yourself on the tr different tracks. One of the tracks you could train yourself on is your training skill. So as you advance in that, you could each time you take that training action, you could train more than the previous time. Um, I think at first, one training action lets you train in two things. If you advance that one, the next time you do a training, you could train in three things. Another one is uh, axes. The the more axes you have, or the better you have at axes, the more wood you chop with an action. Um, some are for harvesting animals or clay or clearing those those moors. These different things you could get better at by by advancing your skills in that uh, in the tools. Or making your tools better. Maybe that's what they call it. I don't know. But for me, it's a skill track. Um, so those will get you points. The ones that uh, that are more advanced can sometimes earn you a fair number of points and are worth doing. The goods track is the other thing I mentioned. There's those five different goods. Food, grains, a couple. And I don't remember the other ones for some reason. Right? I think wool or, or something like that. Or cotton, maybe. I don't know. So they will get you points if they're high up enough in the track. Which is interesting because you, you want to get these high so you get points. But you also want to use them for other things. So it's it's a little bit of a play in that. That's neat. The, your home board I mentioned. You're going to get points for your buildings and all the tiles on it. And you can lose points for some tiles. You're going to get points for your animals. And I mentioned. And your supply bottlenecks is negative points. I will point okay. out. I think that's one of few negative points you can get. Unlike with some other. And I'm specifically mm -hmm. thinking of Caverna and Agricola. You don't have to feed your workers in this game. 
you you do each round. At the end of each year, you got to spend three food. Oh, never mind. And if you can't do food, then there's a resource you could spend. It might be like grain. And if you can't do that, then you get some negative points. But oh. it's, I've never had issues with that. We're, we're like saying the Greg I've had issues with it before. We, we had to get a bigger card here. Hasn't really come up. It seems like if it's going to come up here, it might more be a choice you made because you're going to sacrifice it because it hasn't seemed very, very powerful. And in two, and it's only you know up to two players. Even then, it's not likely to come up because there's so many choices on the board. There's there's some way to get food. If you don't get food, it's either just huge oversight on your part, which okay, you're going to lose. <laughs> or, you're making mistakes, then says Albert. Huge mistakes, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, um, it's a neat game. I like it. It also plays relatively. I don't know how long it takes. I was going to say relatively fast, but maybe it was taking me 30, 60 to 90 minutes to play a solo game. I played one or two two-player games, and that was fun. I enjoyed it. It did not feel any different, really. It, again, because there's so many choices, it barely felt cut through it. It barely felt like, oh, he did something I wanted to do. Darn. And when that happens, there is a space that you could use as any other space anyway. So there is a bit of a workaround. Yeah, it's a it's a really neat game. I really liked it. Um, I've kind of avoided it for years. I've had this for a while, and I just kept avoiding, avoiding, avoiding because it looks so big, and there's so many darn components. I just didn't want to play it. Um, didn't want to try and learn it. It seemed overwhelming. Finally, one day, I said, "Just you know what? I'm just going to do it." So I got my rule book and I took it outside on the deck, and I sat there with some tea or something, and and I read it and just read through it. I said, "Oh, this doesn't seem too bad." Then I went in and set it up and, and started learning, and it really wasn't too bad. Even for a big game like this with so many bits and I don't know, a 20-page rulebook, it's not too bad to learn. If, you, if you're like me and you were intimidated by it, I'd say just give it a try. It's worth it. There's an expansion for it. Uh, I don't have that. I don't know much about it, but it sounds interesting. I, it, I think it adds more buildings and more other stuff that I'd like to see. The only drawback is that I think it's kind of hard to get right now. I believe it's unavailable. But you know, these games tend to come and go out of print so i would assume it'll be back in print soon enough honestly anything julius anything else not really i mean again it's not a game i've played a bunch and to me it just looks like another farming game i mean you, you <laughs> talked about the differences mm -hmm. and and how it feels a bit more relaxed and like you approached his your highfalutin intellectual reasons for enjoying this <laughs> one but to me i mean it feels so similar to so many other Uwe games that I can't get over just like, why? It's just the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they, they all do feel kind of similar, but they're, then they're also kind of different. You know, it's like, I don't know. Kind of different is not enough to really distinguish them. It does not feel like any other ones I have played. How's that? It kind of reminds me of uh, Feast for Odin. I've only played that once or twice. And that was digitally, not physically. And I had no idea what I was doing at all for the first game and barely for the second game. <laughs> I, But but it, it felt satisfying. It, I don't know. What have I played? I've played Agricola. I've played Newsford. I've played... Uh, I mentioned Feast for Odin, Fields of Arrow, Gates of Luoyang. I think that's about the only ones I've played. So it might be exactly like another one of his games. I don't know. I have Howler Tower. I haven't played that one yet, and I look forward to that. I think that's another one like this. We shall see. 
<laughs> well, we will come back, I suppose, and readdress it when you've had some more time with Alita. But yep, for now, I think that's another day on the farm. <laughs> Thank you, Julius. All right, everyone. Have a good evening. Good evening. Bye, all. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.